0: Botox manufacturer AbbVie has announced they too will be suspending operations on all of their products in Russia. See, this is how you end a war, because Vladimir Putin is going to realize that his dates are gonna stop looking like this, and they're gonna start looking like this. Actually, I think she's pretty hot. I don't know why she's the example here. Oh, and I wanna show you a a little trick the media is playing on the COVID numbers to scare you. If you think they've been screwing with you, that's because they have been. Does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Promo code is Stu for 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Make sure you go there and sign up. Today we have Brian Riedel talking about inflation and all the economic news. Uh, Hunter Biden is back in the news. More shadiness with him. But first, we do the COVID sleight of hand. The main thing that has driven the last year of media fearmongering uh, is the difference between something we like to discuss on this program all the time, relative and absolute risk. It's incredibly important for people to understand the difference here. The media does this all the time. They play with the numbers. They'll tell you if you eat butter, uh, your cancer rate will rise uh, three times. Well, what does that mean exactly? What does that mean? Is that absolute risk or is that relative risk? Well, it's relative risk and the difference is really important. Now, I am not new to this little game with the COVID, okay? I talk about absolute risk and relative risk so much, I made a theme song for it. Bad boys, boys. what you're gonna do, what you're gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement actions squad comes for you. Bad boys, bad boys. What you're gonna do, what you're gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement actions squad comes for you What you want? what you want
1: Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement Action Squad is filmed on location with the men and women of Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement. All suspects are assumed guilty and will be tortured beyond the fullest extent of the law.
0: (laughs) Now do you know why I call this show stupid all the time? Do you understand it now? This is a crime, a media crime. Telling people about relative risk when you should be telling them about absolute risk is a crime, and we are here to prosecute it. So why has everyone been at each other's throats about, let's say, vaccination? Let me show you some of the stats, and I want to show you how this has been presented by the media and how it should be presented. Here's how the media has been showing these stats. And look, there's something to learn here. This is a stat about uh, death rates among vaccinated versus unvaccinated people. And if you see uh, each, uh, each little hump in the stats there. Tells you things like this. Uh, The unvaccinated people are about 12 times as likely to die during the Delta wave of the pandemic and about 10 times as likely to die during the Omicron wave of the pandemic. And they tell you this sort of stuff all the time. That's relative risk. You are more likely to die if you're unvaccinated than unvaccinated by this many times. And relative risk can be important to understand uh, sometimes for sure. But it is somewhat without value unless you also discuss the absolute risk. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, here's the same data, except this one is not from a media source. This is directly from the CDC. Same exact data. Uh, if you look at the bottom of this chart, uh, they go even farther. They compare uh, the unvaccinated to the boosted among us. And you'll see here, they say 41 times the risk of dying from COVID 19 if you're unvaccinated as compared to if you are boosted. Now that is a huge number, and you've heard it all over the media, these massive, uh, massive times numbers that get you to kind of freak you out, I would think. you know, It's a lot, it's the type of thing that can get people freaked out, it gets people emotional, it gets people angry at each other. But if you look at the underlying data, what this actually means, and what they're talking about here, is about 12 out of 100,000 unvaccinated people die of COVID per week, when that number is only about 1.8 out of 100,000 for vaccinated people and 0.45 out of 100,000 for boosted people. Now, this is the data from the CDC, but what's the right lesson to take from that data? Is it that the unvaccinated are 6 or 10 or 20 or 40 times as likely to die That's the relative risk story that the media keeps telling you over and over again. Or is the better story to understand, regardless of your vaccination data, you're probably not going to die of COVID. That's the absolute risk story. Relative risk versus absolute risk. Which one should you focus on? Here's another way to think about the exact same data. If these rates held for a year, a boosted person would have about a 0.02% chance of dying of COVID. A vaccinated person with no booster would have about a 0.09% chance of dying of COVID. And an unvaccinated person would have about a 0.62% chance of dying from COVID. Now, look, 0.62% is about seven times as high as the vaccinated person's number. And it's about 30 times as high as the boosted person. But no matter what your vaccination status is, you're almost definitely not going to die of COVID. If you said to people vaccination can lower your chance of dying from, let's say, 0.6 percent to 0.1 percent, I mean, a lot of people would still get vaccinated. The cost benefit analysis still works out pretty well. But if you're honest The people who really feel strongly about not getting the shot for whatever reason, ideological, religious, it doesn't matter what the reason is. If they feel strongly about it, they should be able to take a risk that they are comfortable with without being berated by the media. Let's look at another media narrative. The idea that more people are dying in red counties than blue counties. Uh, Blue counties had, of course, more restrictions. They had higher vaccination rates. Those are the good people in our society. Well, we have charts for this as well. Let me look at just Texas here. And if you see on this chart, and I will, of course, explain chartapalooza to our podcast listeners as well. Conservanerds, unite. The red line goes up higher than the blue line. And this is the story that everybody in the media keeps parroting over and over again. If you tell the story with relative risk, the red counties had a death rate about 50 percent higher than blue counties. And that's true as far as this data goes but it's misleading when you tell the absolute risk story if you were in a red county with probably no restrictions you're living maybe a lot more free than your friends in the blue counties you're in the red county you have about a 0.24 percent chance of dying of covid in a year in a blue county with lots of restrictions and a totally different uh way of living you'd have about a 0.16% chance of dying from COVID in a year. Now, is that worth it? Are you willing to change your risk from 0.16% to 0.24% for a life lived with more freedom? I know I would. And even if you wouldn't, should we be starting a freaking civil war over these kinds of differences? It's just insanity. The media has constantly overstated the risk of COVID. And I can tell you this with certainty because people have absolutely no idea what the truth is. Let me give you a poll. This is a poll that is should absolutely be flabbergasting to the media and should make them reassess everything they're doing. What are the chances that somebody with COVID will be hospitalized? Now, if you are, you know, a nerd, a conservative nerd who watches this show and follows the blaze, you probably know it's not all that high. It can happen. It's not that it's nothing. It's just not the threat that they've been presenting to you. The correct answer is between one and five percent. If you get COVID, you have about a one between a one and five percent chance of being hospitalized. Well, uh, what do people think? Well, the, only about 10% of Democrats got the answer right. 10%. About 26% of Republicans got the answer right. And about 20% of independents got the answer right. This is not something we're making up. This is the actual answer. It's between 1% and 5%. However, 41% of Democrats thought your chance of going to the hospital when getting COVID was over 50%. Over 10 times the upper range of reality. That's incredible. 28% of Republicans believe that. 35% of independents. And when you say over 20%, an over 20% chance of going to the hospital, what do people think is reality? That's four times the upper range of reality, okay? We're talking about 69% of Democrats believe the risk is four times as bad as it is. Think about that for a second. It's absolutely incredible. The number is pretty bad for independents too. 60% believe the risk is four times as great as it is. And even among Republicans, 50 or excuse me, yeah, 51% believe the risk is four times as bad as it actually is. If you're in the media, this should be blowing your mind. You should be freaking out about this. What have we done to communicate to the people a a picture of this virus that is so out of whack with reality? What have we done here? This should be the type of thing that makes you go back and, and, Cancel the, the newspaper, cancel the broadcast for a couple of weeks. Let's just strategize about how do we communicate the truth to the people because we're not doing a good job of that. Of course, there are agendas involved and they're not going to have those meetings, but they should because that is absolutely insane. Look, the truth is, in this case, honestly, the truth is pretty freaking boring for all of the fighting we've been engaged with in, and you know, think about all the topics, masks, school closings, business closings, firing people for not getting the vaccine, uh, treatments, all that crap we've been doing over the past couple of years. The truth is, these decisions aren't really all that important to most people when it comes to living and dying. Now, if you are in a vulnerable category, that math changes in a big way. Hong Kong was able to avoid almost all the effects of COVID for two years because they were really, really strict about it. But unlike everyone else, they didn't vaccinate their elderly population for some reason. So only about a third of those over 80 are vaccinated, and half of those people have the crappy Chinese vaccines. And despite all of their restrictions, two years of avoiding it, they now have the highest per capita death rates right now in the entire world for the entire pandemic like in any country since the beginning, like even worse than Andrew Cuomo, which is saying something. So if someone is elderly or vulnerable, it changes the calculus on this quite a bit. You knew that, you knew that in February and March of 2020. But while the relative risk might be dramatic in some of these charts, the absolute risk is not all that big. This doesn't mean that COVID isn't real or that it hasn't killed way too many people, it has. But instead of scaring people with dramatic estimates of relative risk, perhaps consider telling people the truth with context and then letting them, I don't know, let them make their own minds. And that's what we do right here. We stand up and we demand the end of the constant media abuse of mathematics. As long as this elite unit of nerds exists, the American people will be shielded from the dumbest charts and the most misleading propaganda the corporate media can provide. We stand here for you to protect and to serve. I work here. I carry a badge. We are the Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement Action Squad. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you are gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Bad boys, bad boys, what you want? What you want?
1: Relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad is filmed on location with the men and women of Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement. All suspects are assumed guilty and will be tortured beyond the fullest extent of the law. Who does America?
0: So how old does your mirror say that you are? Ladies and gentlemen, you can delay this question for five. 10, even 15 years with a new Ultra Retinol Serum from GenuCell. Here's Marina from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She says, great product. My skin loves it. I've spent so much money on creams over the years, enough to pay off my house. This is actually true at my house. Um, I mean, it's 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 absolutely possible. Uh, the product has changed my life like no other, says Marina. She's flying high with GenuCell's new Ultra Retinol Serum. This technological wonder hydrates your skin at a cellular level and builds on this deep moisture with the incredible anti-wrinkle event, uh, effects of retinol. Go to jennycell.com slash stew right now. You get 50% off the brand new ultra retinol serum. You'll be amazed with the results or your money back. No risk here. None at all. You'll get uh, GenuCell immediate effects uh, for results in 12 hours or less for free when you order. Go to GenuCell.com slash stew. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com stew. GenuCell.com stew. The free express shipping is going on. They got the free returns. They got the great customer service. GenuCell.com slash stew. GenuCell.com stew. It's always great having Brian Riedel on the program. He's a senior fellow with the Manhattan Institute. Brian, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Really good. Great to see you. Um, Glad to be. I, uh, I I want to go into some of the economic stuff that's going on right now because it's such a uh, such a an interesting time. I will say, the 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 Biden administration is doing everything they possibly can to tell you that all of the problems are really on anything else. I mean, there's a whole list of issues they've been blaming uh, these economic problems on. Uh, Obviously, the the when it comes to gas prices, the Putin Russia thing is a is a big factor, particularly the most recent rise. But can you blame all of this on Putin like Biden seems to want to?
1: Absolutely uh, not. You can't blame it all on on Putin. Gas prices have been rising steadily for more than a year. And, you know, as much as as much as about two dollars per gallon. And, you know, we're we're going to see a 20, 30 cent increase in gas prices for a, for a while because of the oil embargo from Russia. But the oil embargo didn't go back in time and cause a significant increase in gas prices that we have seen for the last 15 months. Uh, that's that's deflecting. Yeah, it
0: really it, it seems almost embarrassing to see them kind of. Uh, just just I try to navigate this bizarre road they've paved here on the way to excuseville. It really is bizarre. So let's talk about inflation, because I think this freaks people out. And and I, I, it's one of those things that you can't spin your way out of. People know when they go to the store, they're buying bread. It's costing more. Their groceries are costing more. Their gas prices are higher. You can't. No, there's no Gen Saki magic that can get you out of this one. What is the real main cause of it?
1: Well, in, inflation has s- several causes. Part of it is supply chains from Asia. It's, it's harder to bring things over from Asia into the United States. That, in turn, is is raising prices because it's creating shortages. But that's only part of what's going on. You also have the federal government, the pandemic response, the Federal Reserve poured $3 trillion into the economy over the last couple of years from the printing press, $3 trillion. And then just last year, when we faced a $400 billion output gap, basically the recession had the economy running $400 billion below capacity. Biden pushed through an American rescue plan that shot a $1.9 trillion bazooka into a $400 billion output gap, mm. which means the first $400 billion of that can help increase output. And the next $1.5 trillion is just going to go into inflation. So you have supply chains, which, which – We can't do much about in the short term, but you also have the Federal Reserve and the federal government stepping on the gas pedal, pushing more and more dollars into the economy, more and more spending. Of course, you're going to get inflation. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about
0: about how this played out? Because I I think this is really fascinating, particularly as it it, uh, relates to. Larry Summers and uh, Jason uh, Jason Furman, the uh, economist mm-hmm. from the Obama era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is these are two big Democratic figures. Uh, and they
1: were saying this was going to cause inflation <laughs> before it passed. And they just basically ignored them. Yeah, exactly. Larry Summers wrote an op-ed in The Washington Post that said the American rescue plan is going to drive inflation levels dangerously high. Jason Furman voiced the same th- concerns. They weren't just ignored. They were mocked. They were made fun of. They were called dinosaurs chasing the ghost of inflation. We haven't had inflation in decades. We can spend as much money as we want. Inflation's dead. They weren't, they weren't just ignored. They were mocked. Mm. And they've turned out to be completely correct. And so I I do think that there's a little humility in order for people in the White House and also for congressional spenders, because when they were told that one point nine trillion dollars was too big, this was when Republicans were trying to pare back the one point nine trillion dollar bill and Democrats were trying to make a political point. We're going to show Republicans that we can be just as hard and uncompromising as they are in other words, the politics trumped the economics at that point. Democrats wanted to show how big they can be, even when their own economists were telling them that you were holding the economy hostage in the process. Ah, it's amazing. They really did do that. I mean, the,
0: the, I remember the mockery of Summers and Furman. And I, I mean, that this is all pretty rare, isn't it? I mean, I don't remember a lot of economists from previous Democratic Uh, administrations coming out and and criticizing a current Democratic
1: president like this. I mean, this is not this is not normal. Right. Summers was one of the ones who pushed the seven hundred and eighty seven billion dollar stimulus in 2009 when we were in the last recession. The big difference now is that Democratic politicians have somewhat lost their minds, to be honest. <laughs> they have moved so far to the left. It was one thing to do a $780 billion stimulus in 2009. That was historic. But now when you start having you know, $1.9 trillion right after we did $3 trillion the previous year, and then this year you have President Biden pushing a $5 trillion Build Back Better plan, the politicians have gone so far to the left that even mainstream democratic economists can't justify this anymore. And even they're telling these policy, these lawmakers and and president Biden that, that, You've gone way over the edge. But again, the politics is trumping the economics at this point. I mean, I'm not usually the type of guy that would have a Joe Manchin poster up in his bedroom. But I,
0: <laughs> I got to say, can you imagine, Brian, if they actually passed another three, four, five trillion dollars in spending in this environment? This would be completely out of control and we'd have no chance to slow it down.
1: We'd be facing a long-term uh, economic catastrophe, I think, if if you if you poured that much additional spending into the economy. Joe Manchin was the voice of reason, and ultimately, Democrats have him to thank because had. Had we got a lot of this stuff through, had inflation soared, this would have wiped out Democrats even more this coming election. And the problem with inflation is once you start it, it's not easy to unwind, which means Democrats would be paying the political price for this for years and years and years, but not as big of a price as the families who would have their real wages continue to drop as they have over the last 12 months. I can't even imagine. Can you bring us back in history
0: a little bit here, Brian? Uh, you know, inflation's going out of control. It starts to grow in the 60s and into the 70s. Uh, and Carter's president, it's rising. Paul Volcker comes in, interviews for the gig. Uh, he gets it and you know, makes some drastic changes to the way we think about inflation uh, into the Reagan era, and things start to turn around. Can you walk us through how that happens? And is that what we're looking at here?
1: Yeah. In the 1970s, we had stagflation, which is huge, huge inflation, but also high unemployment. And it was growing and growing and growing. Inflation was about 15 percent. Mortgage rates were about 20 percent. Imagine buying a house with 20 percent mortgage rates. Essentially, Volcker said the only way to, to break the back of inflation was to raise interest rates so high that you stop the economy in its tracks. We go into a recession. You basically choke the economic activity for a couple years. And that's the only thing that will slow down the inflation. And we ended up having a very deep recession in 1981, 1982. The unemployment rate hit 10 percent. President Reagan was blamed for it, even though he was trying to clean up Jimmy Carter's mess. One of the only things that actually helped us survive that was the Reagan tax cuts, because what that did is that increased productivity at the same time. And the productivity meant that instead of too much money chasing too few goods, we had less money and more goods being created because there was more productivity. So it actually ended up being a very good one 2 punch tight money, but tax cuts, increasing productivity at that point. The situation right now, we're probably going to see higher interest rates again. They're not going to be as effective as last time because part of the problem is supply chains. And that's not something interest rates can fix. But get used to rising interest rates because the Fed said they're going to keep raising them nonstop for at least the next two years. Mm. Um, Are you concerned, Brian, that,
0: you know, there was a time I think you go back to the, the early 80s and you had a Republican Party that was Pretty committed to low taxes and trying to cut spending, although they weren't they weren't always successful by any means. But that was certainly the messaging of the Republican Party. And then the Democrats were the opposite. Right now, we seem to don't we have two parties that are that are just sort of deciding how much they want to grow the government. One a little bit less than the other. Is, Is it can we slow this
1: down with this sort of approach? Not with the Republican Party in its current form. I mean, under President Trump, the GOP passed about five to six trillion dollars in spending hikes by, Mm. you know, and that's what the GOP enthusiastically voted for. Over the next decade, we we have Social Security and Medicare deficits because of the shortfalls created by the baby boomers are already going to be driving huge deficits. Republicans don't want to talk about Social Security and Medicare, though, because seniors vote. Then you have the huge discretionary spending increases Republicans enacted. Republicans right now are so busy talking about other issues, you hear very little from the GOP about spending and deficits anymore. They're kind of Democrat light at this point. When the Democrats want to spend a trillion, Republicans want to spend 800 billion instead. You don't hear much from the GOP on spending restraint because they don't want to anger their constituents who like the gravy train. And so ultimately, it doesn't look good right now politically. Even even Republicans aren't talking about it. Can you give me a picture, Brian, of what
0: it means to our future if interest rates increase as it
1: relates to our, our debt and our deficit? Every point interest rates rise we'll add 30 trillion dollars in debt over the next 30 years every percentage point now, to put that in context, oh thirty trillion dollars is the amount the entire Department of Defense is scheduled to spend for the next thirty years. Every point will cost that much. What that ultimately means is, at some point, the financial markets are going to panic and stop lending to us, and that means you're either going to see massive middle class tax increases or significant uh, cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Really, after after going through the budget for the last twenty years, that's really the only options when the debt deficit gets that big. And so that's the concern. Rising interest rates not only hurts families directly, but it also will make the federal debt so big that they're going to have to raise your taxes or take away a lot of the benefits like social security and medicare, not fully take away, but you know, tr- trim back significantly in order to pay these interest costs.
0: And I see no political will for this at all. I mean, you know, look, for, you know, a lot of people are, you know, there's a lot of fans in the audience who really like Donald Trump. And, you know, there's things you can definitely point to that you like. But, like, he didn't really care about spending. He didn't talk about it very often. He specifically ran as as a guy who was never going to change these giant programs. I mean, he beat up on other Republican candidates who were suggesting it. I see... Zero political will for any of these changes to happen. And when you're talking about one point equaling $30 trillion, that's a
1: dark future you're outlining there, Brian. Yeah, pre- President Trump took Social Security and Medicare off the table, which these two programs face $112 trillion shortfall over the next 30 years. And he said he won't touch them. He said, well, what about the social spending, the non-defense discretionary social spending? Well, then President Trump increased that by 20%. There's really he he increased across the budget everything. The problem with with trying to address spending is that 70% of all federal spending goes to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, Defense, and Interest. Well, interest is kind of uncontrollable. Republicans have said we want to increase defense spending. That leaves Social Security and Medicare, uh, Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid, a lot of which President Trump and a lot of Republicans have also said we're not going to touch. Well, that's 70 percent of the budget and the fastest growing part of the budget. What's left in the other 30 percent? Veterans, health care, infrastructure, highways, health research, education. You can't exactly cut that to the bone either. Republicans need to talk about big picture spending restraint, including things like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, even defense has to be on the table as well, or else we face costs that we just can't bear. <laughs> this is you have completely depressed me. I have it's St. Patty's
0: Day. Luckily, uh, there's lots <laughs> of alcohol around. Maybe that will soothe soothe this interview. But I mean, Brian, geez, we are screwed, man. I, I, I can't. I see absolutely. There's no way out of this. There's no political will to do the things that we want to do. And without that political will, honestly, even even if it was something they were addressing, the the interest rate hikes are going to wipe out anything they could save anyway. I mean, this is going to be really, really, really devastating.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think the time to fix it is is as soon as we can, because every year we wait, the debt gets bigger benefits get locked in for retirees and it becomes more expensive to fix. I would rather start phasing in reforms starting now than wait five or 10 years or however long it takes for the financial markets to panic. And then you have to do something drastic. And so we can get through this. We can fix this if we're willing to. Start to great, gradually phase in some reforms. We can stabilize the debt. It's just when both parties are are competing over how much to increase spending further, how much to dig the hole deeper, that I I, I become I become afraid for me and for my kids.
0: Well, wait until we have President AOC in 2028. Then you'll see. <laughs> then you'll see some real programs. <laughs> Brian Riedel, I'm going to go get drunk now. Thank you so much for uh, getting that uh, started today. Uh, he's a senior fellow for the Manhattan Institute and has all the numbers on the budget. It, this stuff is really important, and nobody talks about it anymore. And thank God, Brian does. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, Stu. Wow, that was uh, mind blowing. We are in we are in serious trouble. Uh, you know, uh, I, we've been talking about inflation for a while. Um, now we're talking about inflation that looks like. Uh, you know, we're talking about 47% increases uh, in just fuel from a, a year ago. 41% uh, for the same used vehicle that if you bought it this year than last year. It's that's supposed to go the opposite way. Like it's used, it's an extra year older, it's supposed to go down in price. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, 10% more to feed your family, and that's just so far. Uh, when you are looking at inflation, you're looking at the economic problems that we honestly just went over and discussed. Uh, Looking at something uh, and diversifying your portfolio into something like precious metals, uh, it can really do something good for your future. Um, Gold and silver from Birch Gold is a way you can do that. Precious metals have been historically a safe haven in times of inflation, and Birch Gold is the leader in converting IRAs and 401ks into a tax-sheltered IRA backed by gold and silver. They have thousands of satisfied customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Birch Gold can help protect you and your savings. Uh, if you text Stu, S-T-U, to 989898, they will get you the free info kit on gold. There's no obligation. Uh, you can get this info. Check it out. Do your own homework. Understand this stuff and learn. Get uh, Text the word Stu to 989898. you get your free kit right now. The word, actually, it's really a name, Stu, S-T-U, to 989898. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist, white Stream. extreme. Uh, yes, it is true. Everything is racist. It's true. Everything. In fact, even uh, trains. Trains are racist. Yeah, the National Museum of Wales, they are saying that trains, steam powered locomotives, They're in a museum and they are racist because they are linked to the development of the steam and railway infrastructure in Wales. Now you might say, well, probably the guy who invented them is some sort of like slave owner, some racist, right? That's why they're pulling them out. No, no. The inventor, Mr. Trevithick, had no personal links to slavery whatsoever. Not, Not a disagreement about that. He just wasn't linked to it whatsoever. The museum determined links between steam train technology and the slave trade said that the trains were then rooted in colonialism and racism. So despite the fact that the guy who invented them was not racist and was not a slave owner and was not a colonialist, it these trains were invented at in a time in which slavery existed, so therefore, we shouldn't have the trains on display anymore. Although there might not be direct links between the Trevithick locomotive and the slave trade, we acknowledge the reality that links to slavery are woven into the warp and weft of Welsh society. I don't even think those are words. I just see, at this point, they're just making it up. Um, the, uh, the museum confirmed that the, the replica m- locomotive, which is displayed at the national waterfront museum, uh, would be subject to the charter for decolonizing audit. The new scheme pledges to identify collections linked to colonial aggression and the transatlantic slave trade. So there you go. Trains are canceled. And I will say this, the steam that came out of the top of them, what color was it? White. You see? Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Oh, we are screwed. Uh, Hunter Biden, he paid his tax bill. Congratulations. Biden paid his taxes. This is a a monumental first in our society, but it's true. Apparently, Uh, in the year after he disclosed a federal investigation into his tax affairs, uh, President Biden's uh, son, Hunter Biden, paid off a significant tax liability, even as a grand jury continued to gather evidence in a wine raging examination of his international business dealings. Uh, Mr. Biden's failure to pay all of his taxes have been a focus for a while while wiping out his liability does not preclude criminal charges against him. The payment could make it harder for prosecutors to win a conviction or long sentence for tax related offenses. I feel like if I didn't pay my taxes, they get really mad at me, but they don't get mad at the Bidens. You know, it's the same thing with Jesse Smollett. They just let him out. Like, I don't know, like I thought when you go to jail for something like that, don't you stay in jail for the for the sentence mostly? Like he got like two days. I don't understand. I guess that's probably racist, too. Uh, and I will say, we joke sometimes about Joe Biden and the bad things he's done to this country. He, yeah, he's done many. OK, but there's some things you don't joke about. Inflation is a real issue, and it's hitting people hard. People like me might be hitting you, too. Don't really care about you. Only care about me. And I'll tell you when, when things like this start happening. This is when I start paying attention. Doritos We'll now have five fewer chips thanks to inflation. Five fewer. This is the shrinkflation phenomenon that goes on. Uh, basically, they're going through this uh, situation where they're saying, OK, well, we have uh, we've got all these uh, we're selling these bags. People are buying the bags. They don't really realize exactly what the weight is, how many chips are in there, but they'll notice the price. So instead of raising the price, we give them a little bit less. It does the same thing. We save some cash. Inflation is conquered forevermore. And people have five less Doritos. This is the worst thing that's ever happened in American history. Five fewer. That just means I'm going to have to buy more bags. That's all that that means. You're not going to shut me down, you bastards, Joe Biden. You're not shutting me down. I'll eat as many freaking Doritos as I want to. Okay, look at me. You can tell that I do that. And I'm very, very good at it. Maybe I'll just have to sell some of the Bitcoin to buy the extra Doritos. Uh, and I had better sell it soon because Elizabeth Warren is out on the hunt. She's on the hunt for, for Bitcoin. She does not like the crypto. Uh, her anti-crypto crusade is now splitting the left. This is good that it's splitting the left, by the way. You know, a lot of these things, I don't mind being the only one talking about it. If the right is the only one who's on the right side of a lot of these issues, I'm fine with that. Um, I want people to come along to the correct side, but I don't mind being the only person who supports a particular issue if it is if I think it's right. You know, I'm sure you're the same way. I don't mind being the only one at the dinner party that no one wants to talk to because I'm out there talking about some dumb thing I support when no one else supports it. I don't mind being the only one. I will say, though, with crypto in particular, as it's getting picked up. You don't want it to become a partisan issue. That's why we were kind of praising you know, Eric Adams, for example, the new mayor of New York, who's, who seems to be very pro-crypto. It's important that some Democrats are on this so it's not just some Republican thing. It can't be this partisan thing, or you know, it's not gonna get the sort of adoption. It needs to really make a difference. And when I say make a difference, let me be clear. The difference I'm trying to make is taking power away from people like Elizabeth Warren. That's the difference that needs to be made. Less centralized control, that is a product of cryptocurrency, particularly Bitcoin, but many others as well. And, of course, this is why Elizabeth Warren wants to shut it down. And, of course, she's attacking this problem with all of the uh, computer knowledge of a 72-year-old uh, Native American woman, which I think, wasn't she in Jurassic Park? I think I remember that. Yeah, she was the one that said, uh, it's a Unix system. I know this. I remember that. And then she had... It was Elizabeth Warren's dopey little head in front of the screen. It was bobbing back and forth. And then, you know, and she was shaking like the old woman that she is. And then they were like, it was like a 3d model. And she was going back and forth to hack the doors when the dinosaurs were going to come out. The other thing about this is almost everybody in our government was around when dinosaurs were really here. Not the Jurassic Park kind, but like the original, like like Coke classic. It was like dinosaur classic. They were all around here when there were Triceratops running around on Earth. And now they're still in power in 2022. Can we make people like Elizabeth Warren go away? Vote them out, even if. It's just someone as annoying, but not a thousand years old. Is that possible? Apparently not. Over 90% of doctors say their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. So, does it work? Well, I mean, nine out of ten uh, patients are using it. it. Speaks volumes about what it can do for certain people. And if you are one of those people, you got to try cbdistillery.com. With over two million customers and counting, CBD Distillery is the source to trust if you want to try some CBD. If you have sleeping problems, this is a big one that people uh, attack with CBD. Uh, when they were surveyed, 90% of CBD Distillery customers said they sleep better. With CBD. If you have nagging discomfort, the same survey states 80% of their customers found out that CBD helped them. If you go to cbdistillery.com, you can order online. There is no prescription required. If you enter SDA, that's for Studios America, SDA, you'll get 20% off when you do that. SDA is the code at cbdistillery.com. It's cbdistillery.com. Now, if you're in Idaho, iowa or south dakota it's not available to you you are excluded we're so sorry you should move cbdistillery.com cbdistillery.com the code is s d a make sure to subscribe to this podcast rate and review if you would take a moment to do so five stars is the appropriate number of stars this one comes in don't listen while driving i'm driving around downtown boise and people are looking at me like i'm cray cray because I can't stop laughing. I don't know how Stu has escaped my preview for this long, but the situation has been immediately rectified. Now I have to carve out 44 minutes a day for yet another podcast, because this one is a must listen. Thank you so much. That's five stars. I appreciate that. By the way, this one comes from 30 Foot Smurf, which leads me to my important question of the day. What height does a Smurf have to be when it goes from cute to terrifying? I feel like I mean, a, a full-size human Smurf would be pretty terrifying, right? So it's, it's probably like three feet, maybe? Four? I mean, it's not 18. A 16-foot Smurf would terrify you. It's just a, it's a conversation we need to be having, and we're not having the important conversations here in this country. You can also listen to the show uh, or watch it on YouTube at youtube.com slash stewdoesamerica. Comment during the show. Take a time. Drop a comment in right there. Tell me how many feet a Smurf has to be. To terrify you. That's a great comment to drop below. The more comments we get below the show, uh, the more the algorithm kind of likes us. And they don't really like conservatives, so we appreciate that. Aaron says, looking at TikToks, this is from yesterday, the Biden TikToks, uh, look at the comments on her propaganda. I have hope for humanity. Most are seeing right through the Internet age of fascism. That's really promising. Uh, The Mike's Bites. This is the thing. Mike's, uh, he's doing a uh, pot edibles, um, uh, Mike Tyson is, of of ears with a bite taken out of them what on earth Uh, yeah we showed you those yesterday the mike's bite thing is a little late that's like oj suddenly endorsing knives (laughs) it's a it's a good point it is very similar to that and just well not maybe a little more tasteful just a little bit though uh you can uh, make sure to uh subscribe and uh click the little bell give you some uh, updates. We're going to be start doing some extra YouTube shows for you here uh, in the coming uh, weeks as well. We'll get you uh, the details on that. And we're getting closer and closer to the election. We're going to have a lot of election content on uh, the uh, YouTube page as well as we go through previews and telling you who's going to win, who's going to lose, and all that fun stuff. Back in a second. Video from Costa Rica here, a zip line. Dad following his kid, going really, really fast, and all of a sudden, oh, he stops. What did he do? What happened? Oh, no, what happened here? Oh, he hit a giant sloth who was hanging on the zip line.
1: I just clocked his
0: face. in the face. I just clocked it right straight in the face. Uh, the sloth was hanging up there, and we don't see what happens afterward, but my guess is he falls to his death. Uh, so just wanted to give you that uplifting message here before the end of the program blazetv.com slash stew is the place to go to subscribe to get more sloth butchering video. Uh, the promo code is stew. You'll save 10 bucks. And stewdoesmerch.com. Get your merch now. We'll see you tomorrow.